Thanks for listening to the Jazz Joe Hall Show podcast today on the pod. Full coverage of the Surrey policing decision with Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke, Minister of Public Safety Mike Farnworth, Brian Edwards from the Surrey RCMP, and Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us as well. Plus, toy maker Mattel introduces the first Barbie with Down syndrome. Tamara Tegger joins us to discuss the power of representation. That's all next on the Jazz Joe Hall Show podcast. Today, the BC government recommended the city of Surrey continue its transition to a municipal police force and the province says it's willing to provide compensation for that move. We heard that uh, during the 3 o'clock news. Solicitor General Mike Farnworth said that the province would offer $150 million over five years if Surrey continues its move to the SPS. Uh, Farnworth went on to say that the city continues, if the city continues the Surrey Police Service, the community would also save $72 million in severance fee. Now in the government's 500-page report, we also learned that the Mounties have 1,500 vacancies across British Columbia. And if Surrey decides to go back to the RCMP, it would mean other communities in BC who are trying to fill positions would suffer. Here is Solicitor General Mike Farnworth talking about the path forward. The path forward provides secure policing that people can count on now and for the long term. The best way to ensure public safety and to put this difficult time behind us is with a municipal police force in Surrey. I am recommending that the City of Surrey continue with the transition to the Surrey Police Service. The province is ready to sit down with the City of Surrey to provide financial support so we can finally close this chapter of confusion and uncertainty. Now, it's important to remember the provinces recommending the move to the SPS, recommending being the important word, as we heard there from Mike Farnworth. Now, the recommendation isn't binding, but the seven conditions for any transition to occur are. Here is Mike Farnworth again. There are seven conditions. Uh, Those conditions are binding uh, conditions. They are not something that would be uh, up for negotiation. Uh, So, for example, uh, they would include... uh, that you would not prioritize um, uh, taking uh, Siri or taking uh, RCMP officers from other communities. It would also uh, require the city to do a thorough, uh, full analysis uh, based now on the uh, the new information and in dealing with those conditions. That was Mike Farnworth. Joining me now to talk about the issue is Brenda Locke, the mayor of Surrey. Ms. Locke, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I know you spoke to the media a few hours ago. You've had a few more hours to digest uh, the report and, and talk to a few folks, I'm assuming, here. Uh, your reaction to uh, the, the announcement today from Minister Farnworth? Well, um, to say it's incredibly disappointing is an understatement. I mean, uh, the decision is actually no decision at all. And yes, we did get the report. We got the report at after the minister started to talk to uh, the media. And I can tell you that report is severely redacted. So do I have the same information to make a decision on as the minister? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. And I, and certainly uh, any discussion of, of money had never come up until he said it on, on the news. Um, so it, it kind of begs the question. Here we are at the 11th hour. I have been uh, calling on the minister to to meet with him, to discuss what was happening since since last November, actually. And uh, today we get this um, this uh, non-decision uh, put before us. Mm-hmm. Um, 
totally uh, unimpressed, totally disrespectful to uh, the city of Surrey, and uh, pretty disingenuous, in so my opinion. I just want to pick on what you just said there. You have not had any conversation with Mike Farnworth over the last few months on this issue. No, and you know what? You know what, Jeff? Mm-hmm. I have never been asked to change my position, never once. Nobody has said, gee, Brenda, we're not going ahead with this SPS. It's never been said to me ever once. And um, in fact, I talked to the premier more than I talked to uh, Mr. Farnworth. And so my, uh, my concern is that I don't know why. I don't know why he didn't uh, bring us into the tent to have a conversation because that would be the appropriate thing to do. But instead... He decided that uh, he was going to go it alone and um, make a decision on behalf of uh, the residents, I guess. But at the end of the day, we have to remember that the police act is pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, the choice of the police is under the, it's, it's our decision. It's the municipality's decision. And we made that decision in December. I want to clarify that with you and, and I think to, to put it on the record again. Your desire is to still stay with and continue to work towards keeping the RCMP in Surrey. Absolutely. We have uh, no good information that came from today to make us change that decision. So um, there's no reason we would change it. Certainly the information uh, we received that is severely, I mean, really severely redacted. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you, doesn't play. you said that, you know, you, there was no new information today. What was new, though, was money, $150 million offered by mm-hmm. uh, the provincial government over five years. That's $30 million a year. Uh, with that, uh, if you go with SBS, you also save on the $72 million in severance costs. That's over $220 million plus that Surrey will either save or receive from the government. Uh, isn't that enticing enough to, to, to move forward here? But because there's already 400 plus members of SPS already hired. Some would argue, look, you're the past appointed no return. And now on top of that, you as the mayor are received, will receive $150 million over five years and not have to pay the $72 million in severance costs. So $30 million per year um, sounds like an awful lot of money. Mm-hmm. It is only for a limited number of years. This is a generational decision. This never stops. Our, our, um, our community will be paying for this forever. But what this $30 million doesn't include, it doesn't ex- include a lot of that, that money he got from a corporate report, which I'm pleased to know that he at least supports and their, their diligence showed that uh, Surrey's numbers were correct on the operating side. What it doesn't show is the, is the capital costs. And there are significant capital costs that still uh, are in, in the works, that they're still getting worked on, such as the uh, IT um, training centers and a gun range. There's other things, expansion of the cars that they want. And then on top of that, it's all based on 734 members. We know already this year we're, we're adding 25 um, new members to the RCMP. We've already said that. That was in our budget. Um, it doesn't include that. And that's 25, 25, 20 over the next four years. So another 100 officers. It doesn't include them. It doesn't include the fact that the, uh, the um, collective agreement with the Surrey Police Service um, once they're the police jurisdiction, calls for two manned cars. We don't do that here. So that 
significantly will increase the number of people coming in. So the 30 um, million, which just got thrown out like um, it was, you know, just numbers, doesn't it doesn't cut it. And at the end of the day, this is supposed to be about public safety. So if it is, we know, we know in Surrey that uh, the RCMP have done a stellar job. We know right now we're in uh, the first quarter of this year, our crime stats were down. That's over 10 years, a decade of our stats going down. So we're doing pretty good on our on our crime severity indexes. And I think, I can't get to why. You know, Jazz, I cannot get to why. I don't know why we're doing this. It, it just are, doesn't make sense. Are you then willing to continue fighting this provincial government and the minister on, on on this issue? At the end of the day, you'll still stick with RCMP and come come high, whatever it may be, you will take on this government and continue with your desire to keep the RCMP. You know, look, it, these are recommendations by a minister, but primarily by his staff who are working on the other side of the pond. They don't know where the rubber hits the road. We do. At local government, we all do. Um, When I look at the report they gave, it also included two options. And we pick door two. We pick the one that makes us stick with the RCMP. I have um, talked to uh, the deputy commissioner, and he's assured me that he can meet all of those uh, issues that are itemized on that on the list for the RCMP. And I, and I want to just bring one other thing up. Mm-hmm. One of the restrictions on the Surrey Police Service side um, was that the Surrey Police Service, all their new hires are approved by Victoria. There's a reason for that. They have no confidence in the hiring of uh, the Surrey Police Service, obviously. So I think Why would they not have any, have any faith in the hiring uh, by the Surrey Police Service, these are all uh, experienced law enforcement and HR officials. Why would they not have any faith in SPS hiring? Well, they got the report from the Surrey Police Service, just like, uh, and they reviewed it, just like they got the report from the RCMP and reviewed it. So obviously for me, they looked at the SPS report and found it lacking um, in their ability to uh, hire. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's something that is, uh, crucial. We know, too, that the Surrey Police Service have been hiring and hiving off and poaching from other other uh, jurisdictions. Certainly lots of RCMP in small town and rural uh, BC, they've hired from there. They've hired a lot from uh, transit police. And, and if we're wondering why transit police is low, it's because there has been a lot of shifting of um, of a human resource, and and that's a problem that we have across the board, not just with the RCMP or the Surrey Police Service or any police service. Um, you, so. We just got a minute left here, but I want to touch mm-hmm. on this. You talked about the the thirty million wouldn't cover capital costs, uh, IT training, gun range, uh, cars potentially, a hundred new uh, sorry, a collective agreement with SPS members where they have to have two 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 members in a car. Do you have a rough estimate of what that capital cost would be like? Um, I I actually don't. Um, We're working on it right now. As you can imagine, uh, being given this all within the last six or seven hours, um, the the staff here are are, uh, 
working on the report, what they can see of it, the parts that aren't redacted, and uh, the financial pieces so that, that I'll have a better sense of it by next week. Um, and uh, we'll we'll take it from there. But at this point, I have no reason to change my mind. I have nothing more I could take to our council to say there is a, there's a reason to deviate. Um, we have the RCMP have and continue to to provide safe and effective policing in the city of Surrey, and the uh, minister acknowledged that. Uh, so why are Brenda, yeah. Brenda, we're out of time here. Uh, look forward oh, to having okay. you on this show again. I really appreciate you making time for us on a very busy news day. Uh, talk to you very soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jess. Bye uh, now. If you're just joining us, we were speaking to Surrey Mirror Brenda Locke at the top of the hour, and uh, she uh, reiterated to us that uh, at this moment she intends to continue to fight for the return of the RCMP. She said the province's decision today uh, was disappointing, uh, shocking, and described it as disgraceful as well. She had a lot of comments on a lot of issues in regards to uh, this particular report. Take a listen to some of her comments. The Solicitor General has also repeatedly said that there will be no new money for the transition. Yet, at the 11th hour, there is financial support from the province, so long as our decision is the SPS. It is clear to me that the Solicitor General has a position on which force he would like, but politics and not public safety in Surrey appear to be the driving force behind his recommendation. I am profoundly disappointed that the people of Surrey have been used as a piece on the Solicitor General's chessboard. The truth is, the original decision to allow this transition to go ahead was rushed and done without due diligence, and Surrey taxpayers have been paying dearly for it ever since, such as the gold-plated severance pay to the members. The extra $8 million a month it is cost for running two separate police forces. That was uh, Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke. Now, the Beacon government's recommendations uh, did come after analysis uh, that was done by provincial staff over many, many weeks. Uh, and they did conclude that returning to the RCMP uh, would be difficult and not safe uh, uh, because uh, part of the challenge was staffing. There are 1,500 RCMP vacancies in British Columbia. And uh, in many cases, those are uh, obviously unfilled positions. And then to move forward in the case of Surrey to hire a many more RCMP officers, that would actually hurt and hinder many smaller communities who are also needing uh, officers as well. Joining me now to talk about this issue is the man who's been at the centre of all of this, who's had to look at all this information and uh, play referee to a certain degree. Mike Farnworth is the Minister of Public Safety. Minister, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Uh, was there one issue or moment that convinced you to continue the transition, continue the SPS transition, and you know you decided it was the right way to go? Um, I think the best way to put it is I try not to get involved into the internal affairs of, of Surrey, but the report that came back um, from my ministry um, after extensive uh, uh, review and analysis based on the information received from the city of Surrey, the RCMP, and the Surrey Police Service made it clear uh, that the plan that was in place was not one uh, that would uh, ensure safe and effective policing in Surrey, and the recommendation uh, was not to approve the plan, and, and I agreed with that. 
And uh, so the uh, the plan is not approved, and the, the strong recommendation, um, which I can do under my authority under the Police Act, under Section 2, is to continue with the Surrey Police Service and uh, recognizing that there is the difference uh, in cost that was uh, confirmed by Deloitte uh, of the $30 million a month that we were prepared to to sit down with the, uh, the City of Surrey and ensure that those additional costs are not borne by Surrey taxpayers or Surrey businesses. I just want to reiterate uh, what you just said there. Uh, you can't tell Surrey that you have to choose uh, A, police force, or B, police force. That's the City's decision but the recommendations there were seven in, in the report those are binding those are and they're not recommendations those are um, requirements uh, those would be uh, binding conditions uh, what I can do and what I have to do as solicitor general is to approve a uh, is to approve a plan uh, that ensures adequate and safe policing um, in Surrey but also is my responsibility to ensure adequate and safe policing uh, for across the province of, of British Columbia Mm-hmm. Um, you uh, are through the report today and the announcement uh, have offered $30 million a year over uh, over five years. So that's $150 million over five years. Um, previously, um, Ms. Locke has said that uh, there was no money that had been offered, no discussion of money, that all of a sudden now um, money has been offered. Why the decision to offer this money? Well, first off, um, the the analysis was underway in terms of the of the uh, of the plan that had been put forward based on the request to to go back to the RCMP, so all that work has been underway in that analysis of going okay exactly what is involved and what would the recommendation be. Um, the recommendation came uh, to me and um, recognizing that the the safest way forward is to continue with the Surrey Police transition um, as the most appropriate way. That's the recommendation. And knowing that, uh, the city of Surrey, uh, one of their key arguments in the past for keeping the RCMP had always been around cost. Uh, and they said about $30 million a year was the difference between the Surrey police service and the, and the RCMP. We had Deloitte do a financial analysis, which they did, which those confirmed those costs. Um, and so, in making it clear that the recommendation from the province, because we've rejected their plan, is to continue with the Surrey Police Service, um, I felt that it was appropriate for us to, to assist them with those uh, potential additional costs and said that we would sit down with the, the City of Surrey and work with them on that and gave us an example uh, that if you looked at the transition over five years at $30, at $30 million a year, that's about $150 million, plus the additional savings of the, the $72 million that would not be paid out uh, in severance, uh, for example. Uh, I spoke to the mayor uh, about half an hour ago, and she says, look, uh, the, the money, uh, first of all, it wouldn't be enough uh, simply because of capital costs, cars, uh, training, a gun range, uh, a collective agreement where, you know, uh, under the collective agreement, you'd have to have two officers per vehicle, unlike the RCMP presently, where you have one officer. Uh, what do you say to that argument that the $30 million just wouldn't cover the, the actual costs of this transition? Well, first off, the $30 million was the number that the city of Surrey put forward. Uh, and the other thing to bear in mind is, is that uh, the, the transition that uh, 
the, the, the RCMP are now, are now uh, unionized, and one of the things they have been doing is, is seeking improvements in, in the contract. And I fully expect over time that you are going to see that gap between the RCMP and municipal police forces narrow, for example, as they, as they start to push for uh, and negotiate going to two members per car. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a static situation. And one of the challenges uh, that, uh, that we have to, to, to look at is to ensure that safe and effective policing takes place not just in Surrey, but indeed right across the country. And that issue of vacancies has been a significant issue. If another community wanted to do what Surrey was doing, although based on what uh, everybody's watching and seeing, I think it'll probably scare away a few municipalities for going down this route. But let's just say, do, do, are you worried that you may be setting a precedent and offering this money to Surrey that other municipalities, if they choose to do so, will be, will be uh, you know, would come to you with their hand out and saying, look, we'd like to have a few dollars for this transition? No, I'm, I'm not concerned about that, uh, this being a precedent. The situation in Surrey is unique. It is far and away the largest detachment uh, in the country. Uh, the transition was already uh, well underway as to when Surrey decided uh, to go back. Um, I've had no indication from other municipalities. I mean, there is a process that if they wanted to follow, they could. Uh, but uh, the, this is not a precedent uh, that the province will be handing out money. This is a recognition of a very complex issue that has been ongoing for four years that we need to get resolved to ensure uh, stability and safety in policing, in, not only in Surrey, mm-hmm. but also the, uh, the rest of the province. Minister, just quick, two quick more quick questions. Uh, why, are, why are so many pages redacted? And, and I ask that because uh, the mayor has brought this up many times during the press conference. She brought it up during the interview half an hour ago. Why are so many, page, why are so many of the pages redacted in that report? uh, Those redacted pages are actually uh, RCMP documents, sensitive RCMP documents that belong to the RCMP and represent operational uh, information, Mm -hmm. and uh, they have not given permission, neither has the Surrey Police Service, for their uh, 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 documents on that basis to be redacted, so they are redacted. Uh, and that's not an uncommon thing. Uh, what I can tell you is that uh, is that uh, we will be sitting down uh, with the uh, the city of Surrey uh, with to go through a full unredacted uh, a full unredacted report. What is the timeline, Minister? Final question. I know this has been an ongoing issue now for many years with the previous council and now this council. What is the timeline to get to a solution? Is there a timeline? Well, the, uh, I've made it clear today that uh, I want the city of Surrey now to, uh, to go through the document, to sit down with my staff, uh, and they will uh, see all the information that's in it, the new information that they have to have. Uh, and then they are in a position then to see why we've made the recommendation that we have and why that will be the, uh, the, the, it's the right uh, approach, the right path forward. Uh, to go with the Surrey Police Service to ensure safe and effective policing and to ensure that their taxpayers are, are not having to pick up the tab uh, in the form of tax increases, both either residentially or uh, businesses uh, related to the uh, to the move to the Surrey Police Service. So it is ongoing. This isn't a hard and fast date like May 30th or June. Um, this is an ongoing conversation at this point. I just want to clarify that. Yeah, but I think uh, the citizens of Surrey want uh, are ready to move on. We've given them a path forward to do that, uh, that protects their financial interests and ensures safe and, and uh, safe and secure, uh, safe and effective policing in Surrey. And I think uh, the council uh, will will realize that. Minister, you've had a very busy day. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks very much. 
Lots going on in this uh, Surrey uh, police decision today. Uh, today, the BC government recommended the city of Surrey continue its transition to a municipal police force, and they did say they're willing to provide compensation uh, for the move. $150 million over five years, and the community, of course, would save $72 million in not paying severance for the SPS. That's over $220 million uh, in savings. Minister Farnworth uh, talked about that, uh, of course, uh, but Ms. Locke, uh, during or after the announcement today and on this show just an hour ago, said that she still uh, wants to stay with the RCMP. So there's a lot of moving pieces here, not just on the policing side, the, but the political side as well. Joining us now to talk a little bit about the political implications uh, for the government, uh, for Surrey, is Keith Baldry, Global PC's Legislative Bureau Chief. Keith, thank you for joining us. Great to be here, Jazz. So uh, your thoughts... Uh, any surprises for you today after the announcement? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think we were all, a bunch of us thought it would be going the SPS's way. But uh, surprised that we also had some conditions attached to um, going the RCMP. I don't think I'd, we really had got our heads around the fact that this was going to be a recommendation. You know, this was not a ministerial order. Mm-hmm. Uh, which under the Police Act can be done. I mean, Section uh, Part 2 of the Police Act details, lays out the minister's um, abilities and powers and, you know, can prescribe all sorts of regulations. But this is a strong recommendation. And I think there's a bit of artfulness to it in that it dangles a bunch of carrots in front of Surrey Council. In fact, $222 million of them, as you just outlined, $30 million a year for transition costs and avoiding paying $72 million in, um, in the severance. That adds up to 222 million reasons to accept this. Uh, and there's going to be interesting. I see Councillor Jack Alford, who opposes going back to Sir, uh, RCMP, is quoted in the Vancouver Sun's online edition today, saying, suggesting that, that perhaps one of his colleagues on the pro RCMP side could change their mind and vote differently where this comes. And that would swing the vote to 5 4 in favor of SPS. So as you say, there's a lot of moving parts, and a lot of them are still moving. So it's going to be interesting. Brenda Locke at her news conference did say she looks forward to sitting down and talking to Mike Farnworth. Mm-hmm. So she's not, even though she had a very strong interview with you, I don't think she's quite closing the door 100% on on perhaps agreeing to go the SPS way. But the initial reaction, of course, was very blunt and very negative. Yeah, let's listen to that response uh, shortly after Mike Farnworth made the announcement. Here is uh, Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke with her response. Our decision is exactly what it was in December, that we will keep the RCMP as a police of jurisdiction. I have since spoken with the uh, Deputy Commissioner and asked him if he could fulfill. As you know, there are requirements to keep the RCMP. There are requirements to go with the SPS. And I have uh, spoken with the uh, Deputy Commissioner. He was very, very clear that he can reach all those uh, issues that were raised for him. So we are confident moving forward. Uh, I mean, you've got to think of the NDP government as well. We've got a provincial election coming uh, next year. Uh, I think eight eight out of ten seats are NDP, and they're adding another seat in Surrey for the next next, uh, election as well. That's got to be in the back of of, uh, Mike Farnworth's mind as well as he looks at all this. Well, we'll see if it's, I mean, it was interesting. This was supposed to be the big ballot box question at the, in the municipal election. And as I pointed out before, very few people voted. So what, it, this issue did not motivate um, voter turnout in, on previous elections. Uh, will it be the ballot box question in Missouri in 2024? Uh, I suppose it, it could be. I'm told that 
basically, South Surrey is more pro-RCMP than North Surrey. North Surrey is largely NDP. South Surrey is uh, is BC United. Mm-hmm. So it may just flow along uh, uh, party lines. But clearly, I don't think it's necessarily in the NDP government's interest to have an ongoing fight with the mayor of the second largest city uh, on a continuing basis. But as I say, I don't think the final chapter has been written here. If someone else does change their mind and look at that $222 million that would not be there if they were to go the RCMP way, um, that changes things. And I note as well, there was the Surrey Board of Trade, which is a significant organization in Surrey, was quick to put out a news release within an hour of the announcement saying they were disappointed because they, they favored going back to the RCMP. But Anita Huberman also, literally the very next line, said, um, basically saying we're disappointed. However, with this decision, the city of Surrey can reinvigorate its public safety efforts, advocate for needed wraparound support services on and on, and that um, lo- looks forward to basically working with the mayor and council to provide industry input on economic issues. So that's, to me, that's coded language. They like the money. And I think we're going to see whether the old adage, money talks, is actually going to work here. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that we haven't really talked about is that the RCMP itself, as an institution, is going through significant challenges uh, as a local uh, local police force, as a rural police force, as a national police force. There is an identity crisis here, and there's significant challenges before, the, before the, that very institution, nationally and locally. Yes, I mean, the Nova Scotia inquiry into the mass shootings there was very blunt and negative in its indictment of the RCMP, uh, that it was a broken culture. The RCMP has a lot, the brand has taken quite a hit in recent, in recent years. Uh, it's certainly, I don't think, nearly as credible an organization as it was a decade ago on when you see all the, f- the problems associated with it. And it's going to be harder for the, ND, for the uh, I think, the RCMP to, offer a credible response specifically on the critical issue, and this is at the heart of this report from Farmworth today, is all comes down to staffing. Who is, can best guarantee the proper levels of staff, i.e. officers, boots on the ground? And clearly the view from the Director of Police Services in B.C. is the RCMP cannot do that. And they questions its, its forecast, notes there are 1,500 vacancies in the mm-hmm. RCMP in B.C. alone, which is kind of mind-blowing, and questions whether they can actually find 161 RCMP officers, which is what's required, without taking them from other jurisdictions. Brenda Locke was asked about that. She said she doesn't care about that. She's only worried about Surrey. Well, that may be true, but that ignores the reality that the provincial government is not going to allow a model that takes RCMP officers from Coquitlam and Richmond and Burnaby and puts them into Surrey to satisfy that one particular uh, uh, level that uh, the mayor is insisting on. So it's a, it's a complicated situation. It got a little less complicated today, but not entirely uncomplicated because we now go to the next the next chapter, which is going to be whether or not Brenda Locke can maintain unity on that council with $222 million suddenly on the table that was not there until today. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a new thing on in, in, the, in the conversation. The province had not stepped up before. Now it is. We're speaking to Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. We're talking about some of the politics uh, behind today's announcement when the government said uh, that uh, they want the city of Surrey or recommend the city of Surrey continue uh, their transition to a 
municipal police force, of course, something that the mayor of Surrey, uh, who has a majority, Brenda Locke, does not uh, wish to occur. She says that she, they still prefer the RCMP. Uh, our guest is Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. Give us a call on the open line, 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell phone. Let's go to Jim in Surrey. Hi, Jim. Good afternoon, sir. Um, so my comment, I'm quite disappointed with today's decision, to be quite frank with you. Um, I was looking for something more out of the leadership of this province. And uh, when you hire someone, appoint them in a position of authority to overlook these things, you look for them to make hard decisions. Like, I listen to Vaughn every morning. I'm an early riser. Mm-hmm. And when I heard what he had to say this morning, I went, uh-oh. And that's exactly what appears to have happened today. What and, were you um, expecting, Jim, in regards to the decision, just to say that Mike Farnworth were to come in just to pick one of the uh, agencies, whether it be RCMP or the SPS? Is that what you're looking for? Yes. Yeah, I think we were looking for some direction on where it should be going. This is costing me money daily, and I'm a little fed up with the, this mayor and the previous one having a little battle in the sandbox of what they think should be done. It's ridiculous, quite frankly. And uh, Jim, thank you for your call. Appreciate it, uh, Keith. Just to confirm here, I think the minister. I did ask the minister this question. He can't do that by law, can he? Well, section two, part two of the of the police act does have a number of conditions and regulations he can impose on policing. So I don't know if it would read it that he could pick one or two of these options. But what he has done is he has placed conditions on going to the RCMP that he has the power to make mandatory uh, under the Police Act, and that's what he's done there. Uh, there's nothing in the Police Act about giving money to a municipality for transition. That's a political decision that was made uh, to sort of dangle that carrot in front of Surrey to able to continue the transition to to Surrey Police Services. But my read of the of the police act sort of gives the minister fairly broad powers to do something and have a specific course of action. But, maybe uh, he's boxing maybe, boxing uh, uh, the council in a little bit here. The binding conditions is what yeah. you have to meet and throw some throw some money in. But Ms. Locke continues to push back, saying, "As the mayor, the city decides that the type of police that they want." So uh, I, this who knows this may end up in court. It's, it's five <laughs> seats. Five seats have decided as opposed yes, to four. Yes, that's right. That's true. Uh, let's go to Ed in South Surrey. Hi, Ed. Yeah, a couple of things. On the Jill Bennett show, first of all, there's not 1,500 positions short. There's only about 500. The others are maternity leave, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was already explained by the police chief who spoke on her show at 1.30 this afternoon. That's point number one. Point number two is, I mean, if we didn't we just have the, the uh, Vancouver Police Force uh, having a big hearing about some guy getting butchered by six cops? I mean, uh, uh, what is it, what? You know, and, and not one of them was taking notes by direction from the union and not keeping tabs. I mean, this is shameful. And then you've got those 12 women who made an illegal left-hand turn in Burnaby and smashed into another car, and they get yeah, food uh, out, not, no accountability. Uh, I, don't, all right, I, I, I don't think that really has that, much that's to That's kind of the issue, and we have process and procedures in place if there is Well, there's something. also, as I mentioned, there's five RCMP officers uh, in Prince George who are facing criminal charges, two with manslaughter and three for trying to cover it up. Yeah. So mean, this th- is not unique to municipal or RCMP. There exactly. are problems in all four. And I would add that the vast majority of police officers go into work every single day yep. trying to do the best they possibly can. Exactly. Let's go to Rob in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Hi, good afternoon, guys. Say, first off, you know, uh, Mr. Farnworth, as far as I'm concerned, was about as clear as mud with his, quote, recommendations. you you, you got to go one way or the other. I mean, I personally would support the RCMP, and I say that because the electorate have spoken. 
they knew Brenda Locke, and I've said this before to you, Jazz, they voted to retain the RCMP. So you have Mr. Farnworth coming out today. How long is he going to spoon-feed the city of Surrey now to retain the, the uh, city police force? He's willing to give them millions and millions of dollars, you know, and it just that doesn't make any sense to me. The citizens have voted. They're stepping over their boundaries. It's a municipal decision. Yeah. So Rob, they're crossing the line as far the, as I'm concerned. Part of the challenge, though, is that this is where a referendum would have been perfect four years ago. Yeah, but it wasn't there, Jazz, yeah. was it? I mean, there was no ballot question. There was no plebiscite on there. This was on the, on the, uh, it was the ballot was between the, the candidates, and they knew where they stood. So people that didn't want to vote, they should have got off their duff and come out and vote, bottom line, like I've told you before. Um, so it doesn't make any sense why well, Mr. Farnworth is going to spend millions and millions of dollars to retain, quote, a city police force, the Surrey of City Police. It does, that doesn't seem right because Rob, thanks for your call. the taxpayers are going to end up on the hook. Yep. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Rob, I appreciate you. Rob, I mean, Keith, this is part of the problem. Any election politician wins, say, well, I've won and this is what I'm going to do because this is what I said. Well, first of all, voter turnout in municipal elections, as you and I both know, is low. And there are other issues before Surrey, uh, transportation, child care. People don't just vote on policing. They may attract a lot of media attention. It doesn't necessarily mean people are voting based on that. And that's where a clear referendum many years ago probably would have been the answer to this issue. I know it's it's uh, that horse has left the barn, but uh, I think that's part of the issue as well. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's too late, I think, for a referendum. But this is basically a classic carrots and sticks approach here. Sticks are with the RCMP because you've got to meet certain conditions that look unattainable, particularly when it comes to staffing levels. And carrots are on the side of the Surrey Police Services because there's a whole bunch of money on the table there, 222 million carrots. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, go to Sean in North Vancouver. Hi, Sean. Hi, guys. Um, so many uh, ways to approach this. Um, one thing is for sure... The RCMP is barely keeping its head above water in terms of resourcing. So we can't just consider what our provincial vacancies are. Uh, it's countrywide. And they can't afford to spare one officer right now. Uh, the rest of the country and the province need them. Um, there's also money issues. There's also the fact that the RCMP, the management model, they are increasingly timid, risk-averse, bureaucracy that can't respond quickly to um, jurisdictions' requests. Uh, you know, what would take a municipal detachment 90 days to get done uh, would take the RCMP two years to approve it and another year to put it into effect. Rishon, you're a former law enforcement officer or a current law enforcement officer? Current. Current. So uh, within the national force, RCMP or municipal? Um, I'm, I'm going to keep that to myself. It <laughs> okay. allows me uh, to answer more candidly on any topic. That, that's fine. I was just curious. I, I just wanted to, because I know, Yvonne, I've heard you recognize your voice, so uh, you do speak from experience, and I just want to reiterate that. Well, Keith, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we got about 30 seconds here. The challenges still remain there. We don't have a timeline on this Surrey issue at this time. It could take two weeks. Well, the report- it could take two months. Well, the report Six is if they go transition, continue the transition, it's a, it's a three-year process to get to full staffing levels. So that shows you about what timelines we're talking about when it comes to one option. But I think we're going to find out fairly quickly where Surrey Council stands on this, um, perhaps even at the next uh, council. If one, one councillor changes their mind and goes, which is from the RCMP to SPS, that's enough to swing it that way. 
Well, uh, if, if it's going to be, if there's a place that that would happen, that would be Surrey politics. That's for sure. And we'll keep an eye on that. Keith, thanks so, so much for your time. Have yourself a wonderful weekend. You too. We're going to continue our coverage of the Surrey policing situation today. The government, uh, provincial government, says that Surrey should continue its transition to a municipal police force and that the province said it's willing to provide compensation for that move. That included $150 million over five years. If Surrey continues its move to SPS, the province went out of its way to say that it would also save this, uh, the community $72 million if they kept SPS because they wouldn't have to pay severance fees. Now, they brought up the issue of uh, the Mountie saying that there are 1500 vacancies uh, in this province and they worry that uh, if uh, the uh, RCMP uh, in Surrey hire more officers it would mean other communities in BC who are still trying to fill positions would suffer. Uh, nevertheless Brenda Locke, the mayor of Surrey, who was on the show at 3 o'clock today uh, during uh, our conversation and during an earlier press conference says that uh, she ran on keeping the RCMP and she still wishes to keep the RCMP. Take a listen. Our decision is exactly what it was in December, that we will keep the RCMP as a police of jurisdiction. I have since spoken with the uh, Deputy Commissioner and asked him if he could fulfill. As you know, there are requirements to keep the RCMP. There are requirements to go with the SPS. And I have uh, spoken with the uh, Deputy Commissioner. He was very, very clear that he can reach all those uh, issues that were raised for him. So we are confident moving forward. Uh, now, uh, Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth, as I said, in that 500-page report, said that there are many vacancies and he was concerned about uh, safety uh, in the region and the unfilled positions that are already out there and whether or not Surrey could ramp up. Uh, here is Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth. The RCMP have significant recruiting challenges right now. And with 1,500 vacancies across British Columbia, we cannot afford to make it worse. The Director of Police Services report makes it clear that backtracking to the RCMP risks reducing police presence in other regions. Moving backwards to the RCMP in Surrey could come at the cost of staffing positions elsewhere in the province. That risks impacting public safety in the entire region, including in Surrey. That was Public Safety Minister uh, Mike Farnworth. Joining me now is Brian Edwards, Assistant Commissioner for the Surrey RCMP. Mr. Edwards, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, good afternoon, Jazz, and good afternoon to your listeners. First, first and foremost, your reaction to uh, today's uh, announcement by the Minister and the reaction from uh, Mayor Brenda Locke. Your thoughts overall on the day and, and what's been said? <laughs> well, Jazz, a lot going on today. I think uh, first and foremost... Uh, my reaction is one that um, I'm disappointed that uh, we're still um, have a degree of uncertainty here because uh, uh, the city has said that uh, they're going to need to make a decision. And in that is, in fact, what the minister has asked them to do. So they're going to have to assess this. Uh, we're aware of what the minister has said, and we're well aware of what the uh, mayor has indicated. So it prolongs something that's already been uh, too too long, in my opinion. Do you have staffing challenges? I think um, I think the RCMP has staffing challenges, and I'm glad that you asked me asked me this question, Jazz. Um, really, COVID presented the perfect storm, and I think we see this with BC Ambulance. Uh, we see it with many many agencies. So prior to COVID, 
we received almost uh, 500 cadets into this division. And then, of course, with COVID, we were hit very hard. And so that reduction uh, came down to about 150. But I think, Jazz, when we look at the vacancies, there's we, we need to put that in context, as the commanding officer, Dwayne McDonald, said today. Mm-hmm. There's hard vacancies. That means there's nobody for the role. But there's about 500 of those where we need to fill. And of those, only several hundred were unfunded in the provincial business line until recently. They weren't funded, so we couldn't put anybody in there. Of the other thousand, these are people that are on mat leave or pat leave or off-duty sick. And, Jazz, where we're finding we're up a couple hundred from normal is because of backlogs in the medical system within B.C. People are waiting longer to get access to specialists. So between the reduction in cadets and the reduction in the healthcare system, then that gives you a delta of a few hundred more than we would ever see. So we're addressing these with aggressive recruiting, and we are seeing in the medical system that things are starting to open up, and we're sending people on a priority basis to address that. So I think other than that, um, what I see moving forward with the collective agreement that's been in place 18 months, I see very positive indicators on the horizon. And the reason I say that, Jazz, is because our experienced police officer program, we brought in over 70 this last over the last year and those are members from other agencies and prior to the collective agreement in bc we just weren't having anybody move over so i uh i think we have mechanisms in place to uh deal with those issues in regards to the hard uh, uh the, the the 500 that that you will have to where you will have to uh, recruit new cadets uh, how fast can that be done well i think um some of those there's a few hundred in there for the funding from the provincial government. The funding will be over three years. So we have to, uh, we have to spread that out. So I think what you'd look, we had presented a plan. The uh, CO is still confident in that plan over the course of, I think three to five years, we address most vacancies within, uh, within the province. Um, What do you say to the argument that there's a deeper uh, structural cultural challenge within the RCMP, and I don't mean specifically Surrey RCMP, but I'm talking broadly with the RCMP, that, you know, you as an institution and organization have to do rural policing, you have to do local policing, big city policing, in the case of Surrey, you have to do national security, you have to do organized crime, you have to do cybersecurity. You're pulled in all directions, and I'm not saying that has always been fair for the force, but it is a force that's also, uh, many have said, has has not changed fast enough, whether it is, um, you know, attracting more women, minorities, to the organization and making it a place that is safe and open, uh, number one. And number two, the broader issue uh, of how it deals with some of these issues. You saw some of that out of a report out of Nova Scotia as well. What do you say to that argument that when it comes to regional policing, provincial policing, whatever you wish to call it, that RCMP should just get out of the business in handling that and stick to national security and national issues? Yeah, um, I think I've addressed this before with you, Jazz, so I know that it continues to come up and with uh, respectfully acknowledge uh, reports that have have been written. I think, in fact, if you go to the agreements by which we police different uh, provinces, it's acknowledged by the provinces in there, uh, the interoperability between the business lines. So let me give you an example. Uh, in the border protests uh, that happened, mm-hmm. that uh, closed down the peace arch, uh, the, the uh, crossing, and I was assisted by the provincial business line. 
And on Super Bowl Sunday, we had 50 members of the federal business line that provided support there. And so the seamlessness by which I was able to receive support, support from both the provincial and federal business line was a clear indication of where that is, in fact, something that works to the community's benefit. Now, um, I recognize that this is a, uh, it's a large country. So also, when you're, you're, you better expect with a force as large as us that you're going to receive more criticism mm -hmm. because you're involved in so many different business lines. But in fact, I think they complement one another. And I get members that come back in from other business lines that make significant contributions. But I also want to say this. We know, especially when we're looking at recruiting and we're looking at people, the next generation, they're looking for challenges. They're looking for diversity of options in their careers. And I think that's why the Experienced Police Officer Program is being so successful now that our wages are at par with municipal agencies. They're seeing within that, listen, I want to go to the RCMP. I can try different things. I can work different things than in other agencies. So while there are detractors in there, I think there's some huge strengths there. And I think as the next generation looks, I think there's some real positive things that we can offer people that want to look to have a diverse career and make contributions. A final question to you. I just, I just want to reiterate this. So you believe you can ramp up quickly enough and you can, you can provide the resources that are required to be the police force for Surrey uh, for many, many years, that you feel you're up to the job, the recruitment challenges that are there that can be dealt with in a relatively quick manner and you can move forward with it. As the, uh, I'll echo the CEO's uh, comments from earlier today, we stand by our plan that uh, we feel uh, that we have the ability uh, to do that. Mr. Edwards, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you so much, Jazz. Well, on Tuesday, toy company Mattel revealed its first Barbie doll representing a person with Down syndrome. Uh, Mattel collaborated with the National Down Syndrome Society of America to create the Barbie and ensure the doll uh, accurately represented a person with Down syndrome. Uh, it is an interesting uh, announcement and because it's the first Barbie doll representing a person with Down syndrome uh, being released by Mattel, as they said, to allow even more children to see themselves in Barbie. Joining me now to talk about uh, this release is Tamara Taggart, president of the Down Syndrome, uh, Down syndrome BC. Tamara, thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Uh, first of all, your reaction to this when you first heard it, what, did, what, did you, what went through your mind? Uh, I couldn't believe it. I I was so like wonderfully surprised. I it, I'm I'm thrilled about it. I think it's a big step. Um, it's been a long time coming, and I was you know also a little bit shocked that a company like Mattel made such a a big step. Mm -hmm. What do you think it'll mean uh, to children who will play with this Barbie doll um, and uh, have Down syndrome? Give me a sense of what you think they will feel and what it, what it means. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot because mm -hmm. it's a, it's been a big conversation in in my you know friend group, and I don't think I think it's important for kids you know, who have Down syndrome, of course, to see themselves represented in the toys that they play with or the books that they read or the shows that they watch, all of those things. But I actually think it's more important for typical kids 
to see their toys represent the community around them. I think it's a much it's much more important <laughs> mm-hmm. because that's where you know, I don't think you can teach empathy. You sure can't teach it to adults, that's for sure. I think we all know that. Mm-hmm. But I think when we're kids, you know, that's our education. We play, we use our imaginations, we learn how to share, we we see things and they become a part of the fabric of our life, right? A part of our community. So when you know, if you're playing with all kinds of dolls as a kid or all kinds of robots as a kid, mm-hmm. I don't know. And um and then you go to kindergarten, and there's a child with Down syndrome in your class, it's not alarming to you because you don't know what that is or have never seen anybody like that before. It's just a everyday normal thing, as it should be. As president of Down syndrome, BC, you must hear so many stories of, of some of the challenges some of these kids probably had when they were playing at a, at a younger age, and when perhaps there wasn't as much representation. Yeah, you know, what I hear most is the challenges that we all have with our kids Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, have uh, their basic human rights met, like, you know, equal access to an education, for instance. Like, my son is in a segregated classroom. My son has Down syndrome. He's in a segregated classroom in Vancouver, in a Vancouver high school. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that that's still happening in our community, that our kids are still segregated. They're not, you know, this idea of inclusion isn't really there. So as much as I wish that all the adults that are making the decisions, (laughs) the policy decisions, Mm -hmm. had, I wish they all had a, a doll with Down syndrome when they were little, you know. I mean, I think this is one step of, of getting to the place where, oh, that, Beckett just walked in the room and said, I love mummies, so there you go. Hi, Hi, Beckett. I'm on the radio right now. Hi, Beckett. Um, So I think, you know, I think that I haven't heard, listen, my kid, all my kids will play with any toy that we put in front of them, really. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I hope that by having a Barbie that has Down syndrome and has some specific things about Down syndrome in the features of this Barbie, will just become a natural part of their play for generations to come. I hope more companies step up, right, Mm -hmm. and start representing all disabilities in their toys. Uh, Just to to focus in on the the last comment you made about, um, you know, uh, Beckett and the fact that you have challenges before you at the school district, at your school and your school district itself. Is that the biggest priority right now for for Down Syndrome BC is providing greater access for these kids not to be segregated uh, and there be greater inclusion? Is that one of the bigger issues? Oh, my gosh. It's the number one thing, Jazz. I mean, Hmm. really, it's like, you know, um, you know, MCFD just announced that, you know, well, they announced that they're doing these hubs and they were going to take away the autism funding. And now they're not going to do the hubs, but they still are. And they're, you know, it's like, it's the worst thing possible for a child with Down syndrome to go into a hub situation. And, you know, Down syndrome um, is diagnosed at birth Mm -hmm. and um, there's no secrets about it. You can go to the bookstore and buy a book on Down syndrome and learn everything you need to know. We know how to educate someone with Down syndrome. We know all the things. So it shouldn't be a surprise, but I mean, our government here in this province, in our country really, does not include people with Down syndrome or disabled people in any way, shape, or form when it comes to decision-making 
or educating. Like, you know, there's a lot. It's not only kids with Down syndrome in my son's class. It's all disabilities. And, you know, they arrive at school at a different time. They go in a different door. They they get picked up at a different time. They do recycling for the school. They stack the orange juice boxes in the cafeteria. This is not an education. So it's a it's a big fight. And our biggest fight is individualized funding for kids with Down syndrome so that they can get the support they need to be the best they can be. Tamara, I really appreciate you talking to us about uh, the issue of Mattel and uh, and, and Barbie, but uh, the broader conversation in around inclusion. Uh, I heard a lot of it when I was in MLA as well, uh, representing mm. the riding in Richmond. Uh, look forward to having you on again. Let, let's uh, continue this conversation. I really do mean that. I want to have you back on and we can talk about the broader issue of hubs and some of the challenges that are there before many children, many parents as well. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Jazz. I'd love to talk to you again. So thank you so much. for listening to the Jazz Joe Hall Show podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can always listen to the Jazz Joe Hall Show live Monday to Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on 980 CKNW and connect with me on Twitter at Jazz Joe Hall BC. Talk to you next time. season of 911 on a new night Thursday March 14th on Global stream on Stack TV